0: You'll know which people are a bit more open mm. to this type of thing to explore. And I think it's just a question of getting those people together, maybe on a regular basis for a lunch meeting or maybe beers on a Friday afternoon, that type of thing. And just put something on the agenda to discuss, to talk about, to reflect about also taking care a bit about the mix of people, that they're not like all in crowd, but that you're able to invite people from other departments to get a bit of a mix of perspectives and experiences, but have that very common human interest in each other to help each other. Uh,
1: You are listening to the Align Remotely podcast, the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working-from-home gear sorted. In this episode, we get a lot more actionable with BART. We look at things like implementing within a larger company, how this actually works in practice, details of formats that uh, Bark suggests, how this can be used to break down silos or work across them, Uh, and also the social aspect of making things come together. There's quite a lot coming up, so let's just dive right in. If you've got a very outspoken expert <laughs> in the group who also has, let's say, significant authority in the company. What are good patterns or games that you could use to try and break that to mm. create the safe space so that you don't have one person or two people speaking and everybody else on mute <laughs> doing
0: something else? Mm. Those types of experts, I find you can spot them up front before you get into the session when you're preparing it with an expert. There. They're also they're always very linear. I'm going to talk about this, and I'm not going to talk about that because I don't know about that. So, this is what it's going to be about. And it already begins with breaking that attitude in preparation, where putting those types of people—they ha- they have expertise, which is legitimate—and yeah, and you want to spread that expertise or that wisdom across the people. So you need to figure it out, right? And the sort of way you ease and massage these people in- into that is that pitch them the idea of you have certain expertise and these people are working on cases or stuff that's relevant to your expertise. So mm-hmm. we want to hear about those cases from those people and then we're going to ask your advice in a certain way on you know, what, how they can use your expertise in those contexts and conditions. So it doesn't, the session or the education doesn't revolve around what the Expert knows and they're ABC, but just just throwing away the whole slide deck. <laughs> just saying, we're going to line up instead of your your slide deck. A uh, group of cases or people working on stuff, and we and, and they want your input. So yeah. let's do it that way.
1: Hmm.
0: And it's fun because experts learn new stuff as well, right? They, they also have anxiety in, in my experience of getting into an environment where they are not experts, that needs to be calmed down a bit. You just you can invite them to become part of that safe space. So there yeah. are certain things you'll know you've it, and you'll be expert in, there are other things you don't know, and it's fine. We're all here to figure it out together. But I know, and I can guarantee as a person who represents this particular group, that there are certain things or conversation happening there where people will be able to benefit from your expertise. But the format in which we'll be doing it is completely different. And then they find it fun and educational. They learn new stuff. They they, they learn, ah, I don't know, my knowledge could be applied to that. That's interesting. I learned something new.
1: What kind of formats are we talking about? You mentioned earlier on that that we're looking at formats that help things emerge uh, from Mm -hmm. a group of people. What would be some examples? Just to... Make it a little bit more concrete for, if, for people who are just coming across this for the first time.
0: There are certain est- more established or known formats you can use, but I think it, the concept of format is is yeah really open. You want to design for that interaction that we were talking about before. You want to get some form of knowledge exchange between people these people need to be talking to each other about particular topics right so that's the goal or the main heading you should have for whatever events you're organizing in terms of formats you should start with just the easier ones the fireside chat format or a fishbowl format for instance the fireside chat is where you you have somebody with an interesting experience or track record you just invite that person in to just give a bit of a talk about their experience. There's no need for a PowerPoint slide, it's just sitting and sharing about recent stuff this person has done and his or her experience. And then just opening up for questions or dialogue with the room. And then guiding that conversation as a facilitator. The fixed ball I mentioned is like a more an open panel type of discussion, a different format. Right? Where if you're dealing with bigger groups prevents sort of the chaos of everybody talking about everything (laughs) at the same time you have an open panel discussion where you have the same expert in a chair but then you have other chairs which are open for people from the room to participate in the only thing they have to do is to come up stage and sit on the chair and join in the conversation with a rule that there is always one empty chair if one person comes from uh, the room and sits on the empty chair then the agreement is that one of the sitting people should Uh, stand down and go back uh, to their seats, leaving Mm. that one open chair again. That keeps an opportunity to keep the conversation flowing open. Anybody who has a question or something to share about something that's relevant or happening on stage at that moment can just jump up and and join. Mm. Affinity mapping is a great format. It's it's very simple. Let's think about this topic. or you give an introduction to a topic and then give people 30 seconds to silent write on post-its, what their questions or affiliations are with that topic, and you just get them to come up and put stuff on the wall, and if sit there, you cluster certain statements that are being made. From that sort of cloud, you know, interesting patterns will start to emerge. You know, affinities, seeing what sort of ideas or wisdom the crowd has.
1: Affinity mapping, I could see, would work very well online in, one, in a whiteboard setting. What have, in the previous things that you've been trying to move online, what have been your main takeaways about trying to do peer-to-peer in an, in an online environment? From your description, it's a decent sense of the kinds of formats you're talking about and what you're aiming for. How has that transition to online been in yeah. in your work around peer-to-peer?
0: One thing you should not understand is that people need to get used to the tooling. And become native to the tooling, because Mm -hmm. it's a very different way of, like, you cannot discern online who is being shy and who does not know, just doesn't know how to use the tools. Yeah. yeah. And if you're looking in person, it's different.
1: Yeah.
0: There's no constraint of the tool. Uh, So you need to onboard the group first into the tooling and just make them comfortable making artifacts, connecting things, chatting with each other making jokes online, a bit having a bit of fun, to see how you can use the medium to yeah, to make an impression on other people to to make yourself known mm. on such a playing field as a virtual whiteboard. That's definitely one thing that I've yeah, I still spend a lot of time on to yeah, get people up to speed familiar with just the tooling. Once you get them familiar with the tooling, then you can play with formats and rules of interacting and engaging. And you start off very simple exercises and then uh, you can gradually you know, increase the complexity of the, the formats and that you're going to apply and then the interaction that you're going to create.
1: I, I definitely had that experience with, with the software team. Initially, it, it took a good few weeks before people were used to dealing with the whiteboard and how <laughs> to create things, move them around, select things. And then once that a certain hurdle was cleared by the group, suddenly the activity exploded. People really Mm -hmm. just got it It clicked that Mm -hmm. you can really use this to model anything as a group. There's a lot that you can do, even though everyone's distributed. I think that was quite amazing when it happened. If this Mm -hmm. is being applied within a larger organizational context, how does it work when you've tried to apply it in the past? How do, how do you create the safe space and make it possible for the dynamic to emerge? Because that's, I guess, the way that you're thinking about it. It's more of this kind of create the environment and then let whatever needs to happen.
0: If I were to organize this within my own organization or company, you'll know which people are a bit more open hmm. to this type of thing to explore. And I think it's just a question of getting those people together, maybe on a regular basis for a lunch meeting or maybe beers on a Friday afternoon, that type of thing, and just put something on the agenda to discuss, to talk about, to reflect about. Also taking care a bit about the mix of people, that they're not like all in crowd, but that you're able to invite people from other departments to get a bit of a mix of perspectives and experiences, but have that very common human interest in each other to help each other. Uh, And in that context, just stimulate like conversations first, right? What are you working on? What do you think of this new strategic plan by the CEO? How does that work out in your department? And through those discussions, you'll hear about interesting new crossovers or ideas with doubt, like how would I go about doing this or yeah. Shall we collaborate in some way on this project together, crossing certain boundaries within the organization? Yeah, that creates sort of a a group where people come to check in and tap into. Through those types of conversations, practical things will emerge. I've interviewed a company established by Henry Minzberg, a a peer-to-peer mentoring system Mm -hmm. uh, deployed at corporates called Coaching Ourselves. And it's basically people coaching themselves or in in groups, coaching each other. And it's Mm -hmm. a diverse group of people brought together. They get some free time from the company, say one or two hours uh, a month. What coaching ourselves does is they give them sort of case studies to read a bit and then reflect on how those sort of situations, which are written by certain management gurus like Henry Mintzberg, but they're more than, and they then reflect on how that works for them. You know, dilemmas, challenges, uh, personal or professional, a variety of things. The, the process they describe gives people personal reflection, which makes and people have to take actionable points. Okay, I've, I have some ideas or some good points from my colleagues, and I'm going to implement those things in my work, and I'll report back next month, like how that went, for instance. And there's a very basic level of reflection and interaction, but at a certain point they said, if people have done that for a couple of months, if things become really serious, then there are certain new connections being made in the diverse meeting groups. Mm-hmm. References are being made uh, or introductions to other people in the company. And, and people start solving logistical issues in novel and innovative way. They're combining somebody from finance with somebody from marketing, for somebody from processing. They figure out, like, oh, we should streamline our system or operations in this way. And those are discussions that ne- would never happen before. Otherwise, because everything is, is siloed, it's giving the opportunity just to start off with casual conversations and getting people to introduce to each other, but also stimulating some form of actionable things from those meetings. If you learn something new or have uh, you heard something new, can you apply it and then report back when we meet again? Then it's also this component of meeting regularly that you need to have. If you trust the process, that the stuff will emerge from that. From your
1: discussions with people running these in companies, Hmm. what are some specific things people can look at doing in terms of where should they start? How should they think about it? Who should they talk to? Are there any kind of people they would need to approach? That kind of thing.
0: Uh, Like permission to get started,
1: I, I don't know. That particular one's going to depend on the, the individual company culture. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. I think I, it, I, I say it a bit with uh, <laughs> tongue-in-cheekly, if that's a word. But I think that is that is a bit of a barrier for a lot of peer learning. The, the program I mentioned, that coaching ourselves, it works because people are mandated to do it. Hmm. And they get those hours to do it. And they have to. Yeah, uh, and they love it when they're doing it, but then when the program is finished, so we've done all our sheets and our meetings, then it stops somehow. That people then don't have the time, get the time anymore from the boss, and they get back to working together
1: <laughs> right. as they
0: would usually do. And I think that's a pity. Like ideally, you'd have. Uh, a way of permission or an opportunity within your organization to organize such regular events, which are really low key, which don't need to be, uh, you know, are not heavy in preparation. They don't need to cost lots of money. It's just bringing people together and spending time together. And I think it, but I think it's important to get some kind of a, a waiver from your boss to be able to organize that. Otherwise, it becomes like a pirate club. And and pirate clubs tend to have sort of their own, yeah, their own issues. rebellious way of operating. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And I was a pirate in at the university I worked at. And, yeah. yeah, yeah it, it, I, I built a substantial research portfolio, but in the end, it was also, yeah, the reason why I left the company, because I could not make it fit. <laughs> I was running a little company within a big company, which is like really weird and yeah. hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so I think it starts with some kind of support from somebody a bit higher up that can give you the time to yeah to to gather people and to, to reflect and exchange and there's always these yeah when you're doing like department meetings every quarter or something there's always you know what shall we do how do we talk about strategy or let's think about new products we can bring to the market? I think that's the energy you can use and then say why not do it differently in terms of spreading out these conversations through a biweekly drinks on the friday. And let's look at very practical things and let's try to work on those. Yeah. That strategy emerge from that. Yeah. Using the same time and same amount of resources but then spreading it. Anyway,
1: part of the value of this approach is that relationship that you form, especially if it's across silo boundaries or new people that you meet which creates new possibilities. You go and you solve the immediate problem but also you've met this person so you can reach out to them you know they have deep knowledge about a particular topic if ever in the future you need to find out more Hmm. about it you can speak to them that's another side effect of doing it this way as opposed to just one too many broadcasts that it's a social context
0: but starting off with getting people to connect on a human level Mm-hmm. On their backgrounds, their interests, getting to know the person as a person. And, and not about the meat or the matter that you want to discuss yet. Yeah. Right? So you I mean, have to ease people into it. At a certain point, a group of people will also get an identity of having great stuff on a particular topic. Mm. And people know if you want to, yeah, if you want input, then just join that group there and talk to those people. They're great. That starts with building that group identity in that conversation, in this mini community. Yeah. And then its reputation will yeah, emerge from that. What
1: are immediate next steps, specific tips, people that are listening to it could do in terms of trying to introduce this into their organization?
0: You have to be very much aware of what type of conversations would be really cool to have within an organization or what type of things could we combine.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then actually organizing the first sort of lightweight gathering with scope for doing that on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. that's just every month for the next three months for an hour on a Friday afternoon, gather these people and talk about subject X getting marketing and sales to work together, right? Well, the corporate level communication div- department and the division level communication department or product level de- They should figure out how to talk about what the company does in a more aligned way. Tell us about the, the book. The, the Peer Learning Guide. That's been an interesting journey in writing that. I think... The, the main reason why I wrote it is for ourselves uh, we 've been talking about peer learning for a couple of years we 've been applying it and learning and we saw sort of this shift in the way you do things with more matured, more advanced communities versus starting communities and And, and we got to think, okay, so how do we work like how do we do these things that we do and how do we design programs of a week or two weeks like how well, we do it but how, how do we do it <laughs> <laughs> it's available online the website is uh, peerlearning.is or peerlearning.is you can read the, our, all, all our writing basically our whole sort of book we had the idea of making a book out of it but we did not get any further than a collection of sort of our chapters online but it's all there there's also a drip newsletter it's automated you sign up and then every three days you get a a little excerpt from the book some explanation some chapters to read to ease you into the matter if, if you if you find it interesting and if you're interested then we definitely yeah still like to hear from you and, and get feedback on on what we're working on it's like just the first sort of the Voyager probe, maybe, that's a <laughs> comparison. <laughs> Just sending that thing out there and then seeing what type of alien mind will say, hey, I, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use that or I want to yeah, get in touch with the originator. What we try to do is not only list formats, but give people which formats to pick for which particular circumstance. How do you sequence formats? That's great. Bart, thank you very much.
1: Even though the book and Bart's approach is based on these particular formats, which he's detailed, so even those that he mentioned uh, on on the episode are relatively well-known within the design community, ultimately this is about inverting control and giving everyone the ability to contribute and that's what really makes it powerful particularly if you try to break outside of the traditional social context in which work happens within a company so thank you for listening and next time we're going to look in more detail at results how they're generated what it means to have a culture that's focused on results and what that what it means when you don't have that clarity that you're aiming for. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Align Remotely podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.